You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan-sided network. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Moment segment coming up very shortly later in this episode. Happy Thursday, everybody. Today, I want to focus on the Timberwolves roster, the tradability of the entire roster, and basically rank uh, more so in tiers versus actually like 1 through 15, or I guess not actually 15 because of free agents, like 1 through 12, or however many guys are under contract. I'm going to do it by tiers, Um, and I I wrote about this at Dunking with Wolves the other day, and uh, I want to kind of go through that, talk about each guy on the roster, what tier they would fit into in terms of their trade value and likelihood that they'll be traded. I also want to address the uh, the the playoff game from Wednesday night. The Phoenix Suns, of course, advanced to the finals by putting away the LA Clippers. So I want to talk briefly about that, and uh, uh, we'll get into all that here in just a minute. Uh, but that's that'll be the show today. A quick reminder is always off the top that you can follow this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. That, of course, includes uh, Spotify as well as Apple and Odyssey, the brand new Odyssey app. That's spelled A-U-D-A-C-Y. You can also follow the show on Twitter, the newly verified Twitter account, at LockdownTWolves. Don't forget the T, and also at B-Beacon, two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Okay, let's start with the Wolves roster. We'll, we'll hit the playoffs a little bit later. Um, so again, this is this is a ranking done by tiers, not not like 12 through 1 or anything like that, because because obviously the most trade value, I mean, it's pretty clear. Carlton Towns, Anthony Edwards, right? I mean, there's, there's no, I mean, there's no spoiler alert there. Those are the two most valuable players on the team in terms of trade value. And uh, they are also about the least likely to be traded. But there's there's some middle ground there too, right? Like there's guys who who their contracts are more valuable, but they're less likely to be traded because of that. Um, and the Wolves obviously aren't going to trade Towns or Edwards this offseason. So I'm going to go through the article basically um, as as I wrote it at Dunkin' with Wolves. So the first tier that I addressed was tra- players with, was basically free agents who obviously can't be traded in a normal deal without a sign and trade. And these guys won't be signed and traded um, or, or guys with little trade value or impact uh, based on that trade value. So Ed Davis is the team's only unrestricted free agent. We know that Jared Vanderbilt and Jordan McLaughlin are both restricted free agents. Um, I, you know, I said they won't complete a sign and trade because it is pretty unlikely. But remember, the Wolves actually acquired Jake Lehman in a sign and trade two years ago, when in one of Gerson Rosas's first moves, and that was a pretty minor contract. So there's always the possibility that that happens with a guy like Jared Vanderbilt if the Wolves need to clear a roster spot, um, and that and that you know perhaps could be the the best way to do it. Um, I tend to think they'll try and bring Vanderbilt back. But there could be a market for him. And remember, the Wolves don't have any cap space. And and um, obviously, when you bring back your own free agents, that matters a little bit less. But, I mean, the Wolves aren't going to go into the luxury tax for Jared Vanderbilt. I love Jared Vanderbilt. And and if you're a regular listener to this podcast, I've been talking about him for over a year. I was like early early pandemic last year when I was going through the roster and I, I was talking about how Jared Vanderbilt, his switchability, his versatility as a defender, um, very likely a solid rebounder at the NBA level. All those reasons I thought he should get an opportunity and he showed that he uh, deserves an opportunity in the rotation at the NBA level as an energy type guy. He was maybe miscast a little bit early when, when he saw some minutes with the wolves, but Chris Finch knew how to use him. And, and uh, I think there'd be a role on his on a role for Vanderbilt if they're able to bring him back, but it's tricky. 
Um, so Vanderbilt, Jordan McLaughlin coming off his second two-way contract. They're both restricted free agents. And it'd be surprising if they were both back. But um, I think the Wolves will, will at least make an effort to bring both of those guys back. My money would be on Ed Davis moving on, on Jordan McLaughlin finding a deal somewhere else and the Wolves bringing back Jared Vanderbilt. Um, and I would be totally fine with that solution. Jake Lehman also falls into this category. Um, he's only making $3.94 million this upcoming year. It's it's the final year of the deal, the three-year deal he signed as part of the sign-and-trade with Portland a couple of season, off-seasons ago. Um, $3.94 for a healthy, kind of fully realized Jake Lehman isn't bad. That's actually pretty good value. But nobody's going to seek out Jake Lehman at $4 million a year. Um, you know, nobody's calling the Wolves and saying, oh, we'll give you a second-round pick for Jake Lehman. I mean, he's just kind of there, and he very likely could be used as salary filler if the Wolves make a large trade, a blockbuster-type deal that includes one of their bigger salaries. Lehman could very well be included as, you know, tried to free up a roster spot. Maybe there needs to be some money matching happening. Um, but Lehman's issue was he he wasn't able to stay healthy. He got hurt very early in his first season with the Wolves. Same thing last year. He he struggled, then he was hurt, and then um, he he wasn't really in the rotation at that point uh, towards the end of the season. But he he is a depth, like he's a solid 10th, 11th guy on a playoff team, I think is probably his best case. Or on a worse team, he's obviously more more part of the rotation like he was supposed to be the last two years in Minnesota. But the value is not bad. It's not a horrible contract. There's just no reason that he would rank any higher in a trade value column because nobody's, nobody's trying to trade for Jake Lehman. But he's also tradable in the sense that his contract isn't insane um, by any stretch of the imagination. So he falls into this category. Um, the only other one that I, I listed here would be Juancho Hernan Gomez. And again, these are guys who have little trade value or or impact. Now, Juancho, I think, falls in this category simply because we don't really know. Um, he came into last season out of shape. He, of course, a lot of guys did post-COVID. A lot of the guys who are going to be free agents um, because they weren't working out on their own. They wanted to be careful with with that. Um, and then Wancho missed the summer or the September, the, the fall camp in Minnesota because he was filming a movie which had been pre-planned and, you know, wasn't a huge deal. But he came in into actual training camp, the abbreviated one in, in uh, I guess it would have been December, um, out of shape. And it took it. He was terrible in the preseason, early in the season. Then he contracted COVID-19. He missed some time. He had like, I think he had one really good game before he got sick. And I think it was the game in Denver, kind of a something of a, of a Wancho's revenge game. And then after COVID, it took him a while to get his feet under him. He played for Chris Finch, um, who was his coach briefly, I think his rookie season in Denver. And Finch talked about how much he he liked coaching Wancho Hernan Gomez. And Hernan Gomez had, had a decent stretch, uh, mostly off the bench. I think he only started like one game. Um, and of course he signed, it, it was assumed he would be the starting four next to Carl Anthony Towns after signing a three-year deal in restricted free agency. It was three years, 21 million. But the thing to remember is that the, the third year is a team option. So he, he's effectively an expiring contract now at roughly $7 million. So I, I think Wancho has some trade value because it's an expiring deal. And if he's healthy, he's a solid kind of like eighth or ninth guy, even on a good team. Like, I mean, as a stretch four, he, he's good at what he does. But he is slightly overpaid, and he has he has issues on defense, and his rebounding effort's not consistent. He's not great on the glass. And so you're basically looking at at a guy who's a good shooter and a good cutter, an inconsistent rebounder, and a, and a 
really he's an okay defender, but but that's his biggest issue is is he's not switchable really at all. He can get put on skates pretty easily on the perimeter. So again, nobody's seeking out Juancho Hernan Gomez, but I don't think his seven million dollars because of the team option. Now, if he had two years left on his deal, straight up, if if the if the twenty two twenty three season was not a team option, I think he would be basically untradeable. But because it's expiring, and you know, free agent class next summer is uh, attractive. I think there's a chance he could be traded. But again, nobody's saying, hey, give me Wancho at $7 million a year. Um, so that's why he's in this category. I just think it's unlikely he's traded um, because his salary is too big to be included in, in a larger deal with, say, a D'Lo contract or a Beasley or a Rubio contract. But it's not an albatross in the sense that if there's a smaller deal where the Wolves are freeing up roster spots, they should be able to move on from Hernan Gomez because he does provide some value for for what his contract is. Okay, Uh I want to get to the next tier here in just a second. First, though, let's talk about Michelob Ultra. And this week, we're talking about the Michelob Ultra, um, the, the the Michelob Ultra moment from the playoffs. And for me, the moment is fresh. It's from, and we're going to talk about this game a little bit more later. Uh, but this was the Suns' win over the LA Clippers on uh, on Wednesday night, which sent them to the Eastern Conference Finals, which is which is a great moment. Um, no matter your feelings about Chris Paul, he's a great player. Uh, I know Timberwolves fans uh, generally, and and I guess maybe non. Fans of teams that Chris Paul doesn't play for, uh, it's 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 not hard to find reasons to not like the guy based on you know I don't know you know on Timberwolves fans of course the, the untucked jersey thing all the years with the Clippers and all the whining that those Clippers teams did Chris Paul's an incredible player um, he's one of those guys where if he's on your team you love him if he's not you can appreciate what he does but there's moments where it's it's really tough the floppy and the whining and you know some of the things that he's he's known for but he's an incredible player. And basically all the Suns did was repra- was replace Ricky Rubio with Chris Paul. Um, they basically replaced uh, um, Kelly Oubre Jr. with Jay Crowder. They, you know, uh, but but those were really the only offseason moves they made. And Monty Williams and his coaching staff, the, the job that they did developing the guys on that team, especially Mikel Bridges, also DeAndre Ayton, um, uh, campaign, uh, Cam Johnson, um, it, it was incredible. And to see them move on and, and really, and obviously the Clippers didn't have Kawhi Leonard. I, I get that. But to see them without Chris Paul early in the series kind of band together, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton lead this team and the, the big games we saw from from campaign, to see this team win was just was really an awesome moment. And and as Michael Balter would remind us, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. And it's all about the joy, the happiness and the enjoyment. And we saw that on the faces of remember the DeAndre Ayton game winner, um, you know, across the board on the Suns. Great. Also great for Monty Williams. Uh, everybody knows what he's been through. He's always been a good coach. And for him to get this opportunity and, and to bring this team to the to the finals is incredible. And nobody would have thought after a below 500 season missing the playoffs last year, that the Suns would be the representative of the Western Conference in the finals. So the joy, the happiness, the enjoyment across the board for the Phoenix Suns. Again, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Michelob Ultra reminds you that joy creates success and enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. The Phoenix Suns advancing to the finals are today's and this week's Michelob Ultra moment. All right, the next category in terms of Trade value on the Timberwolves roster is modest trade value, is what I called it in the article. These are guys who who probably have positive trade value. Like you could move on from them for you know uh, figuring out matching salaries, but you could move on from them and maybe actually pick up a second round pick or something in the process, something along those lines. So there's only two guys in this category, 
And they're the two players that I've said all offseason, which now has already been like six weeks for the Timberwolves, um, that they're tradable. And I wouldn't be surprised. In fact, I would expect one of the two of them to be traded. One is Josh Akogi. He was the Wolves' first round pick in 2018, of course. And it, it's incredible. He's only played three seasons. It feels, I mean, he's the second longest Timberwolf after Towns. So I guess it makes sense. It seems like he's been around forever. But Okogie regressed offensively last season. His offensive efficiency plummeted. His field goal percentage was awful. I think his three-point percentage was actually slightly better. But he uh, his three-point rate was .425, which means 42.5% of his field goal attempts were from three last year. Yet he shot below 27%. He was 26.9% from three. Um, that That's not what you want to see. You don't want somebody who's sub 27% on threes shooting almost half of their shots from three. He was not good from the corners, which I think coming into the season, Ryan Saunders looked at what Akogi did from the corners the previous season and thought, oh, okay, we can put him there in the offense. He can shoot roughly league average from the corners and and it'll be fine. It wasn't fine. Um, and he was it, he had a tough time when they put him at the four, which was not really his fault. Uh, but Chris Finch figured out how to use him more as a four on offense, but defensively as a guard, a switchable guard slash wing who could guard three positions. Um, and and he was effective in that role. I think Akogi is a rotation guy in a playoff team. You know, come playoffs, he's probably more of a six, eight minute, 10 minute a game energy type guy. But regular season-wise, I mean, his energy, the fact that he brings it every night, can guard multiple positions, that matters. He's only making a, a hair over $4 million this year. It is the final year of his rookie deal. So I, I'm very confident he has positive trade value, and I'd be surprised if the Wolves trade had, traded him. Again, this is another scenario where the Wolves aren't going to get hung up on, hey, we're not trading Josh Akogi if they can land a, a player in a large deal, right, in a blockbuster-type deal. But they're not, they are not going to seek out a trade to try and move on from Josh Akogi because he does fit this roster well. And I think Chris Finch is a creative enough coach to figure out how to use him effectively. Um, if Akogi's moved, it's going to be part of a larger deal. He could sweeten the pot, you know, but he's not going to make or break a deal because he's, again, he's a fringe rotation type guy, an energy defense first type guy. Um, the other player in this category is Jarrett Culver. Jarrett Culver is the one on the opposite side of the ledger. I'm not sure he's got positive trade value, mostly because his contract this year is $6.4 million and his team option for next year, which it's it's very common for a top, a lottery pick, right? To, to have their team option picked up for their fourth season. Um, but as we're sitting here today, would the Wolves really pick up his team option for 8.1 million in the 22-23 season? And remember, those decisions have to come before the beginning of this next season. So sitting here today, I think it's pretty unlikely that's picked up. It also makes him more tradable if his deal is just an expiring $6.4 million, I think. Um, now, if his salary was less, there might be a team that would be willing to take a flyer on him and would want that extra year of security knowing he's on the roster. But nobody wants to pay Jarrett Culver $8 million in, in the 22-23 season. Uh, now, all it takes is one. I'm sure there's a couple teams out there that think he's still got the upside and think they can unlock the Jarrett Culver upside, which really just means helping him gain confidence in his shot and just generally more confidence, but improve his jump shot, improve his free throw shooting, his form, all that stuff. He's still a solid defender. He's athletic. He's long. Um, by all counts, he works hard and his teammates like him, but um, that's that's kind of it. He hasn't been a solid... He's, he was supposed to come into the league and be able to facilitate based on his role at Texas Tech, leading them to the Final Four a couple of years ago. That hasn't happened. His shot's been awful. Um, and so he fits in that kind of probably some modest trade value because all it takes is one of the other 29 teams to say, okay, yeah, we think we can unlock Jarrett Culver. We'll give you a second round pick for him. As soon as that happens now, we're looking at uh, at Gerson Rosas kind of just kind of running off the expense it took to trade up and get him. Remember, this was Dario Saric and, and the 11 pick 
that that the or excuse me the 13 pick that the Suns went out and, and picked Cam Johnson with, who uh, obviously has improved and, and done a good job as a pro. Um, he's also like four years older than Jarrett Culver, so uh, so let's not forget that. Uh, but he's he was a you know he's a rotation guy on a team that just went to the finals. Um, and also correcting that it was the 11 pick, so it was the 11 and Dario Saric to trade up to six. And both Saric and Cam Johnson were were kind of fringe rotation guys on this Suns team. And Jarrett Culver has had a poor two seasons in the league. So at this point, the Suns destroyed the Timberwolves and Gerson Rosas in that trade, which was Rosas's first official move in charge of the Wolves front office. Um, but at, at any rate, at some point, if the Wolves do move on from Jarrett Culver, they're writing off that expense of getting just just uh, decimated in that trade during the 2019 draft. Um, the next category that I've got is the Timberwolves players on bargain deals who won't be moved. Basically, again, no reason to move these guys. They would have some value, but their contracts are small enough. It's not like you're going to land a big name player for them, even if they were bigger. I mean, it's more about the value than it is about how good the player is, right? So Nas Reed at under $2 million each of the next two years, 1.78 million this coming season, and then a team option for 1.93 million in 22-23 is, is just crazy. It's an absolute steal. We saw Nas improve throughout the season, played at the four. There was less pressure on him defensively and as a rebounder, and he played much better on both ends of the floor. I think Chris Finch is going to be able to unlock a, a Reed Towns front court much more easily. And I'm not suggesting Reed's the starting four. He plays heavy minutes at the four. I think he's your primary backup to Towns, and he gets 10, 12 minutes a game in that role, uh, 14 minutes a game in that role, and then another six to 10 minutes at the four, depending on matchups. Um, and... I mean, under $2 million each of the next two years is a crazy deal. There's no reason to trade him. And again, the contract's not big enough to really use um, to impact any trade in terms of salary matching. Jalen Noel fits in this category to a lesser extent. He's not... um, He's not as good as Nas Reed. He's got, I think, the exact same contract. Um, he's also had less opportunity. He was really good from late January, I think, into early March before he got hurt. Um, it it kind of spanned. He he started playing late in the Saunders tenure and kept playing early in the Finch tenure before he got hurt and then really struggled when he came back after the injury. Uh, but he can score at all three levels, and, and he's got to improve defensively if he wants to be a rotation guy. But I think he's still got a ceiling as a high usage, high volume, I should say, um, but still effective and, and relatively efficient bench scorer. Um, so again, at under $2 million each of the next two seasons, that's a valuable contract and a valuable player, and I think it's pretty unlikely he's moved. Um, similar category would be players that have tons of trade value who won't be traded. Carl Anthony Towns headlines this category, obviously. They're not moving him. Same with Anthony Edwards. And there's, I don't even think they would move either one of those guys in another a trade for another superstar because at that point, what's the point? You've got a top 25 talent in Carl Anthony Towns who could very easily be a top 10 player if he puts it together defensively. And Anthony Edwards has the ceiling to be a top 10 player. You know, maybe if he doesn't have a fantastic last two months of the season, we could have the conversation like, would you trade Anthony Edwards in a deal for Ben Simmons? That conversation's not being had now. It's not happening. The Wolves will not trade Anthony Edwards. They will not trade Carl Anthony Towns this offseason. D'Angelo Russell fits in this category um, because he will only be traded in a deal for a a superstar, but he is not in the same... part of this tier. He's like in, in, you know, the B portion of the tier after Townsend Edwards, Townsend Edwards are untouchable. D'Angelo Russell could be traded. If, if, if the Sixers said, Hey, we need D'Lo in a trade for Ben Simmons. If the Wizards said, Hey, we need him in a deal for Bradley Beal, maybe a Damian Lillard type trade, which I said the other day, that's not happening. But that type of a caliber player who's clearly better than D'Angelo Russell, if the Wolves were able to, or needed to include him in a trade, they would. But I think it's their preference to pull off 
any sort of a trade like that without him. And I think it's possible, as I talked about on, I think it was Wednesday's show, signing trades, et cetera, uh, you know, throwing in picks to sweeten the pot. I think those types of trades could happen without D'Lo, but if they needed to include him, the Wolves would include him. I also included Jade McDaniels in this category. He's not untouchable, I wouldn't think, but we also know that tons of teams came calling about him around the deadline, knowing that the Wolves were trying to improve their roster rapidly and, and maybe they could get Jade McDaniels on the cheap. Remember, McDaniels was drafted uh, you know, late in the first round after being a lottery-type talent and projected in the lottery coming into the year. And then he he was much better as a pro than anyone expected. He's already a, a plus defender. He's an above-average switchable defender, can guard at least three positions, um, and is a solid spot-up shooter, hasn't been asked to do anything else offensively. He's the exact type of role player on a reasonable contract with some team you know, control the next three years that the Wolves will need to find if they truly think they have a playoff roster with Towns, Russell Edwards, if they can add another piece, if you can land a Ben Simmons without trading McDaniels, that's exactly what playoff teams need is these guys on on reasonable contracts that can perform outperform their contract. And Jade McDaniels still has extreme upside. He's got basically star level upside. And so for that reason, there's, there's you know, why move on from, from Jade McDaniels unless you absolutely have to, to land a guy like a Ben Simmons. But again, I think the Wolves would try to manage without doing it. I think he's in a similar category to Russell in that he's nearly untouchable, but hey, if, if we got to do it, let's talk about it. Um, whereas the Towns and, and Edwards are hang up the phone. We're not trading these guys. They're in that port, part of this tier. Um, okay. Next, I want to look at trade value uh, among the guys who are most likely to be dealt. I've talked about them a little bit before, but there's a couple of guys that fit into this into this category. And then I want to I want to cover the playoffs here very briefly. Before we do all that, let's talk about RockAuto.com. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person at the counter? orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com both at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when choosing Rock Auto. Why would you spend up to 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? It's a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every single customer. They have everything you can need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. All right, let's close the show by talking about the Wolves players most likely to be traded, what their trade value might be, and then also uh, playoff game from Wednesday night. So this category is is led by Malik Beasley. I still think it's unlikely. I, you know, I've, I've said this, I'll say it again. I think it's unlikely the Wolves will make a, a large trade this offseason. However, I think if they do make a tra- make any sort of a trade, it will be a big one. It will be a blockbuster. And I think it will center around, at least from the package the Wolves are giving up, Malik Beasley and future draft picks. Um Malik Beasley went from, I mean, what, nine months ago, we were talking about how Malik Beasley's contract was probably an overpay. He had pending legal issues. He was likely going to go to go to jail for a time. Why would the Wolves overpay him after 14 great games? At the time, I didn't think it was a significant overpay, but remember John Hollinger over on the Hollinger and Duncan podcast was saying he thought Beasley was worth maybe 12 million a year. The Wolves gave him effectively uh, 15 million a year to come back to Minnesota. It was a three-year deal with the team option for a fourth year, which I doesn't get mentioned enough. So he really only has two years left on his deal. But all of a sudden, 14 and a half million 
in this coming season and 15 and a half the following year in 22-23. Don't look crazy. I mean, he shot 40%, 39.9% from three when he was on the court, almost almost shot nine threes per game, scored 19.6 points per game with Minnesota this season in a much larger sample size than post-trade in 2020. I mean, that's worth $15 million. Um, and, and the fact he's got, you know, over the next two years, he's only going to get paid, what, uh, about exactly $30 million over the next two years before there's a team option on, uh, I forget what the team option is. I think it's like 17 or $18 million for the last year of the deal, which might not be crazy either. Remember, he's only like 25. Um, so there is a little bit of upside there still. If he can improve defensively, and he showed signs of improving defensively this season, I mean, that's plus trade value. The Wolves could trade him right now and get an asset back. I'm sure they could trade him and get into the first round of this year's draft. I, I'm, I'm almost positive. Obviously, there's, you know, you got to figure out the salary stuff there, but I'm sure there's a way that they could do that, that there's a team that would be willing to do it. I don't think you can get into the lottery, um, so I don't think the Wolves are going to do it because, again, what are you trying? If you think you're a playoff team, this is the type of guy you need on your team. However, if you think you can acquire a bona fide superstar like a Ben Simmons, a Bradley Beal, probably even in the category of a Miles Turner, Demonis Sabonis, that type of a player who's who's a maybe not a superstar, but a next tier star, a borderline all-star type player. Beasley's not quite there yet. He could get there, but the defensive shortcomings, the positional overlap with Anthony Edwards and to a lesser extent, D'Angelo Russell, um, I mean, that makes him tradable, not expendable, but tradable. And the contract, again, is good value and he's a good player with a little bit of upside. So I do think if the Wolves were to make any significant deal, he's far more likely to be traded than D'Angelo Russell because Beasley at 15 million a year, roughly on average is better than D'Angelo Russell at 30, whatever he's getting paid per year. Um, so Beasley heads this category. Ricky Rubio is the other one in this category. The only other player here, there's less trade value there, of course, but he is an expiring deal. $17.8 million expiring. Um, teams like him as a backup point guard option. Remember the Wolves had plenty of teams looking at him, uh, this last trade deadline, the Clippers were one team rumored to be interested in Rubio, um, the Mavericks at one point. So there are teams that would have interest in trading for Ricky Rubio, but I do think he's only moved if this is a larger trade, if the Wolves are are needing a third team or a sign-in trade to land a big-name player, again, a Simmons, a Beal, et cetera. I think Rubio would be an option in, in that scenario. Um, they're not going to simply trade him for a pick. They're not going to trade him for, you know, a couple other players, you know, kind of middling rotation guys because of the, the, the mentorship he provides Anthony Edwards, the relationship that those guys have. We've seen Ant talk about this frequently to the media, but Rubio is the best leader he's been around. And also the Wolves don't have any other point guards. McLaughlin's a restricted free agent. D'Angelo Russell play has played just as good off the ball as on the ball as a Timberwolf. And so Rubio, it does have value to this roster. He's a, he's a above average defender. Um, he's another facilitator to have, but it's also easy to see why moving on from him could make some sense. And, and the Wolves wouldn't, wouldn't think twice about trading him in a big deal to, to land a star. There's no question about that, but they're not just going to trade him to get off the contract that's already expiring. Um, he's the type of guy where if this season kind of goes sideways or, or if uh, there's a, an opportunity on the table at the trade deadline, Rubio's expiring deal and the ability, his ability to be a solid point guard, a backup point guard, maybe on a playoff team. I mean, he could very well be moved at the trade deadline in February, whenever that is this upcoming season. Um, so Rubio and D'Lo fit in that cat, or excuse me, Rubio and Beasley fit in that category and are the most likely Timberwolves players to be traded this off season. Let me know if you disagree with this list. Uh, hit me up on Twitter at B Beacon or at Lockdown T Wolves. Let me know what you think about trade value, um, about, you know, which of these guys are, might actually be traded this offseason. Um, 
Okay, very quickly before we close the show, if you missed the game on Wednesday night between the Suns and the Clippers, the Suns closed out the Clippers in game six. Of course, the basketball fan of me would have loved a game seven, but uh, this this thing was not really ever close. It was technically, I think it was a, still a, a single-digit game at halftime, but the Suns just kind of incrementally pulled away. Chris Paul was fantastic, 41 points, eight assists, and I, I don't know that it could have happened any other way. Um Devin Booker had a quiet series compared to what he did last round, but still 22-7 and 4 for Devin Booker. DeAndre Ayton was good again, 16 and 17. And without Kawhi Leonard, the Clippers really, I mean, I don't want to say they didn't stand a chance because they did push it to six games, but it was always going to be uphill sledding as long as Chris Paul returned from his uh, health and safety protocols that caused him to miss the first part of the series. And if Kawhi Leonard wasn't going to return, the advantage was always going to be Phoenix. As I said earlier, great on Monty Williams, great on, um, you know, this organization for developing. I mean, Mikel Bridges is the big one. Also DeAndre Ayton, um, to a lesser extent, some of the other rotation guys like a campaign, um, all of those pieces got better. And in the bench, you know, they, they brought in guys with playoff experience, like a Tory Craig. Um, they had some fringe rotation guys, Etwan Moore. Um, they, I guess they did lose Aaron Baines from last year's team, but they basically replaced him in the regular season with Frank Kaminsky. And, um, it, just the way that this team just kind of made the tweaks on the edges. They knew that they apparently knew they had the confidence that Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton were going to keep improving. I didn't even mention his improvement. Obviously, uh, talked about that plenty last during the last round about his improvement from like a top you know, 30, 35 type player to legit a top 15 guy in the league now. Um, and the organization really did a fantastic job developing all those players. Mikel Bridges made a huge jump, uh, especially in terms of outside shooting. DeAndre Ayton defensively got so much better. It's the exact sort of thing the Wolves need to see. They need to see an Edwards jump from outside the arc. They need to see Towns continue to improve defensively. And there's probably still another year in there versus how quickly the Suns made this jump, but maybe not. I mean, we'll see. Um, but as always, uh, the talk about the road to the finals, and we're there now. We're where I guess technically half half of the finals is decided. Um, but that's brought to us by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. At two point six carbs and ninety five calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. All right, that's all I have for you today. Thanks once again for listening to Lockdown Wolves. Be back, of course, tomorrow on Friday. Remember, it's a daily show Monday through Friday throughout this portion of the offseason. So be sure that you're subscribed, that you're following the podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. That includes Apple, Google, Spotify, and the all-new Odyssey app. And also follow it on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and at B Beacon, two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. A reminder that today's episode was brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And uh, that's all I have today. Once again, I'm Bed Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast. We'll catch you next time. Starting July 19th, the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021, presented by Lockdown and Odyssey, features analysis from the GOAT of NBA Mock Drafts, the fantastic Chad Ford, and Odyssey NBA experts Brian Scalabrini and former general manager Ryan McDonough. Our Lockdown NBA local experts will make selections and trades for your favorite basketball teams throughout this week-long special event. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y.